Welcome to Living With, a podcast about the stories and people behind Health Union. Health Union integrates the power of human connection and technology, uniting people in the shared experiences of life with chronic health conditions. I'm Emily Downward. This episode is part of our series featuring the 2022 Social Health Award winners. The Social Health Awards recognize and celebrate those individuals who are essential to the ongoing conversations and connections made through social health. Sharing your story and impacting a community takes time and patience. And to encourage those who are recently empowered as patient leaders, we have the Rookie of the Year Award. The Rookie of the Year Award celebrates the advocates who may be new to the scene, typically with one to three years experience, and who show the utmost potential. Our Rookie of the Year Award winner for 2022 is Jill King. Jill began experiencing chronic pain the month she graduated high school and became blind at 20 years old. Through her challenges, she has been able to find the disability community and find ways to thrive. She educates and advocates on her own social media and writes about her experiences with disability and chronic illness online. Currently studying psychology at Georgia Southern University, Jill is also the president of the Students with Disabilities Advocacy Group. The group has advocated for accessibility on campus and within the surrounding rural area and educates people on various conditions and sections of disability, including blindness and chronic pain. Welcome, Jill. Hi, thank you for having me. I am so excited to be talking to you today. So what does it mean to you to win the Rookie of the Year Award? Uh, <laughs> I'm honestly still shocked by it because I just because like I've gotten you know some recognition for the work that's been done um, within this area because you know we haven't really had any groups that focused on disability in this area um, and I say that as someone who grew up in Statesboro which is the town Georgia Southern is in um, so to be recognized on this level especially is like oh gosh like because it was starting SCAG, um, the Students with Disabilities Advocacy Group. It was really just, oh my gosh, we need something for this community. I'll figure it out as I go. <laughs> and here, let's do it. And the fact that it's been received in this way is incredibly humbling and shocking. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, so much attention. This is such a good thing. But yes, it's a lot of feelings at once, I would say. <laughs> That's fair. And I know you live with several chronic conditions. How did this all start? Well, I would say, you know, like the month I graduated high school, I started slowly experiencing chronic pain. And then the next month I broke my foot and it kind of like spiraled everything it's like fibro was already kind of trying to kick in and you know do it what it does which is you know give widespread pain and you know, my body experienced a trauma and it was like let's do a big old snowball yeah yeah and at that point i really knew very little <laughs> about chronic illness there was a lot of researching trying to and it was lucky to have my background in research so that I knew what was real and what wasn't. And that was a privilege. Some, a way I did not expect my psychology experience to benefit me. <laughs> That's so important um, though, to, to know yeah. what information is legitimate. 
because there is so much misinformation on chronic illness and disability. So easy to get misled if you don't know what you're looking for. Is that part of what spurred you on to advocate for these conditions? Yes, because there was just so much misinformation, like even those around me, like just saying a lot of things about what they had heard about fibro. And that was kind of my first big diagnosis. And it was a lot of, that's what doctors tell you when they don't know what's going on with you and they just want to kind of move on, which like, it was so complicated and stuff kept popping up. So I was just kind of like, let's find the real information. Let's find what we actually know about fibromyalgia and let's, you know, tell and let's have honest discussions about what that means and what it looks like to live with it. And when I started having those conversations, it was very much, I have no idea how to do this, but I'm realizing we need people to have the honest, vulnerable conversations. Um, so I'm going to fake it till I make it. <laughs> and, you know, I guess it's worked. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you made it. Yeah, you're doing great. But now in addition, you've got other things in addition to fibromyalgia, because I know fibromyalgia doesn't cause blindness. And that's part of what you're dealing with. Yes. Um, around August 21, I started noticing that I was losing my peripheral vision. And by February 22, I was legally blind. Wow. And to explain, you know, like my guise of legal blindness, like there are a couple different ways you could be defined as legally blind, but mine is because I have 20 degrees or less of my vision. So like, let's say you see, let's say we have a dinner plate. Your vision is the entire dinner plate. Mine is a much smaller section of the dinner plate. Wow. Um, so it's basically, you know, just kind of eroding in vision. Um, and currently we don't really know why this has happened. I have other kind of odd visual symptoms that are connected to migraine as well. Um, and what's interesting about blindness versus my experience with chronic illness is with chronic illness, a lot of the time you need a diagnosis to get any sort of treatment or accommodations. And it is very uphill to get those diagnoses. And, but with blindness, even though they have no idea why I'm blind, once they know you are, they literally give you a piece of paper that says, Jill is legally blind. And that's like your key to mm. all these doors. It is such a different way of handling it. It kind of shocked me for a minute because I was like ready to fight for like yeah. finding out what's up. But it ended up not being a fight I had to have. It Isn't just that... ended up being you know, a fight for access. <laughs> That is so interesting. And like, yeah, you're talking like the juxtaposition, the, the differences. Wouldn't that be nice if we had something on the other side, even though they're still trying to figure out the diagnosis, if they could just be like, yes, this person is experiencing X, Y, Z. Yes, absolutely. So that reminds me, you recently wrote a post on your Instagram that really touched me talking about being grateful for getting your diagnoses, because that can be a process in itself. Yes. But you also talked about how you feel stuck because there's no simple answers. Can you talk more about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, I believe when I wrote that post, I had 
recently been diagnosed with like post-viral gastroparesis that I received post-COVID. Um, and I had been diagnosed with what was, it's suspected to be hyperadrenergic POTS. And it was basically like, oh, I've got these big diagnoses. And like POTS, the average for people to get those diagnoses is like six years. Um, so it's, I had these diagnoses, but I think I remember saying it's not this treatment haven that I expected. And I think, you know, certain part of that is because of the area I'm in. You know, I'm in a small town in southeast Georgia. Most of our population is from the university. You know, we don't really have access to a lot of specialists. I'm having to figure out getting to towns hours and hours away to try to figure out these things. And half the time, they're telling me, you're complex. I don't know what, I don't know what treatment to give you. That's not going to mess you up in some other way. And, you know, a lot of doctors use that word complex as I'm not going to treat you and I guess I was just kind of, that post I was processing that having these diagnoses wasn't the key like you know like the declaration of legal blindness it's a completely different situation it's very complex because of the variety of experiences that are going on in this whole body mm-hmm. um, and that's something you know I'm still processing like even just this week they were like oh yeah you have inflammation in your SI joints now we've got to figure that out you know it's kind of one step after another and that's where the students with disabilities advocacy group ended up being huge for me without having this community I would be coping much much differently um that's been my haven I guess instead of treatment so so tell me about that tell me about the group um, the, I found it, we founded the group in June of 2021. I founded it alongside, you know, two of my best friends, Madeline Ryan Smith and Brianne Dollar. Hey y'all. Um, <laughs> um, we founded it cause you know, like we, it was, I was coming back to Georgia Southern after a break and I was trying to find other disabled Georgia Southern students online. And, you know, we all stumbled on each other. We had this group me, I think it was disabled at Georgia Southern was like the title of the group me. And we, you know, we were talking about all these experiences we, we had had, you know, Madeline's been blind or low vision since she was eight years old. Um, and, you know, Brie, you know, she is a cancer survivor. So it's like we had a variety of experiences of being disabled, a variety of experiences of being disabled at Georgia Southern. And we were sitting there and we're just like, we need this group me on a larger, more official scale, basically. And that's kind of where SDAG was born. Um, and I can say confidently that we did not expect it to be this much, this quickly. You know, it's been like 14 months since we were founded and it's been received so so well and not just by you know like other georgia other disabled people here at southern a lot of people like we'll be we did a we did a disability history education week and so many people came up to us and were like oh my gosh i didn't know any of this why didn't i learn x y and z in school and it's like i don't have a good answer for you as to why you weren't but here we are telling you about it 
So it wasn't even just the disabled community who was seeking this information. It was people just wanting to know how to be equitable, how to embrace us in the classroom and in this community. And it's been incredible to see, honestly. That's wonderful. And congratulations on, on all your successes with that. How does your advocacy work help you cope with all that you're dealing with? Whenever I first got sick, it was a lot of having no power in it, which I feel like is probably something people in with chronic illness say and feel a lot. It's like, I have no control in this. And starting the group and starting these education and advocacy efforts, that was my way of taking it by the reins. That was my way of basically saying, you know what? I have this very stubborn quality about me and I'm very mad that there is not more being said, more being done. And I remember, again, when I first got sick, I kept thinking to myself, I need an older disabled sister, you know, <laughs> because I'm an oldest daughter, oldest granddaughter. And I, you know, very much take on that role of like, come on, gather my little chickens, like kind of thing, like mothering sort of, sort of situation. And I kept thinking to myself, I need a disabled older sister. I need someone to, you know, pull me in and help guide me. And Madeline has ended up being that in a way. She's a little bit older than me, um, love her to death. And especially because, you know, I became blind during our time with SDAG. She has been huge for helping me through this. Um, and then I realized that I was becoming that disabled older sister <laughs> for a lot of people in the group. And I didn't think I had leadership qualities in me until it's like, oh, here we are, push, big old push. Let's keep going, let's do it. And I'm very grateful for that push. And I think I would feel so entirely different about my experience with disability if it weren't for SDAG. I would be a different person. I would be approaching my education and psychology completely differently. Um, I'm incredibly grateful for it. Yeah. I would say, yeah, you're definitely a leader and I can't wait to see what you do next. If there was <laughs> one thing that you wish you had known at the beginning of your journey that you could share with people who are just starting off with chronic conditions, getting that diagnosis or, or becoming disabled, what would you tell them? Find your community. Like that has been so entirely huge, you know, in my treatment journey, it is still a lot of kind of cluelessness, still trying to figure it out. It's all kind of complicated and that's not something I necessarily have complete control over, but I have control over who I let into my little group of disabled family. You know, there are so many spaces online, like even if your university or area doesn't have some sort of community, there is a huge community online and they will embrace you. Like I know so many people online, you know, people in Canada, people in the UK, 
it's like I can message them anytime and be like, hey, tell me about X medication. Like, tell me about your experience with going to airports. Like, tell me this and that. And they'll answer back. And it's like, you know, just talking to any friend that I have here down at SDAG. And it's something reliable and it's kind. I was telling someone the other day that disabled people are always trying to find each other. So if you go seeking your little community, your chronic illness, your disabled community, it is there. And I encourage you going and finding it for sure. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you today, Jill. And I'm really inspired by the work that you're doing. And I thank you for, for what you're doing. And congratulations on being Rookie of the Year. Thank you for talking with me. I appreciate it. You can find Jill on Instagram and Twitter. Her handle is at Jill underscore G King. Health Union is the leader in social health with 41 condition-specific online communities and the Social Health Network, which encompasses more than 100,000 patient leaders covering nearly every health condition. You can learn more at health-union.com. Thank you for listening to Living With. I'm Emily Downward.